we have with us, men who serve our church in a variety of roles on our leadership team, and I'm going to let them go around and introduce themselves and share their credentials as fathers or grandfathers, and as they do that, they're going to roll uh, some pictures so you can see their family. So we'll start over here with Pastor Josh. Yeah, so my name's Pastor Josh. I'm the kids and creative pastor here at RCOG, and that is me and my wife and my beautiful daughter, our beautiful daughter, Isla, and uh, yeah, that's 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 us. That's the credentials, I guess. Is is that I have a we have a baby girl, and we have a second baby on the way coming in January. <laughs> Very excited about. Yeah. I'm Pastor Kevin. I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and uh, this is my oldest son, Josh. <clears throat> pastor Josh. Uh, I have four boys, Jordan, uh, who's the next, Jared, who's married, and he's, and his wife is expecting any day now. I mean, she is just ready to go. <laughs> We're ready for it to get here. A little boy, his name's going to be Warner, and so uh, he's coming hopefully within the next couple of weeks. At least not next week, because, well, maybe next week, just not while I'm going to seek week. Because I'll be in North Carolina, I can't be there. Anyway, um, so up there's my four boys and uh, the old man in the beard. And then you've got Jared there in the middle. Uh, and then Cody on the far end. Cody, Cody's in Charlotte uh, doing an internship. And my wife, I think, did you do the other picture? Just one, okay. Right, one, one, one picture piece. And my wife, and I have to dig myself out of a hole right quick. Yesterday was our anniversary. And... Yes, you know, I'm not even going to say it, but happy anniversary to my wife. <laughs> they say confession is good for the soul. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Brad Thornton. Um, my wife and I, Kelly, we um, uh, oversee the connections here at, at RCOG, uh, which includes small groups and first impressions, greeters and ushers. And, and um, you know, that's my wife, Kelly, and that is my uh, daughter, uh, Marley. So that's us. My name is Chester Kofroff. I am the college and career pastor here at RCOG. Um, as you see in the picture, I have my beautiful, the most beautiful wife in the world, Jennifer Kofroff, and the most beautiful daughter in the world. She's uh, 23 and uh, just started in her, um, in her first job. She's going into her second year of teaching. So I'm very proud of her and uh, just want to say she rocks. Well, I am Pastor Les. I'm the lead pastor here at Ringing Church of God. There is my family. We took that picture yesterday. My son Trent and his fiance Kate, who are getting married here in about four weeks. Uh, my daughter Jaden, uh, my wife Tressa, and my my son Brock. So, uh, so that's us. Now, you can't have a Father's Day uh, discussion without at least before we get real serious doing some dad jokes, right? So, I asked all these guys to give us their favorite dad joke so we'll go back around the horn pastor josh <clears throat> i got really skinny legs and miss beverly's been telling me she's like you know you really could go to the gym if you want to like you know bulk up your legs a little bit do some lunges that'd be a big step forward
That was my dad joke. Uh, dad jokes. You know, sometimes we, we listen to those and we hear them and we think, where did you get that from? Definitely didn't get it from a joke book. But um, to be honest with you, I don't do dad jokes. And so this was kind of hard for me uh, to figure out a dad joke. Um, but how, how do you keep peace in the house? Do what she says. Well, this one, uh, I don't have a favorite dad joke either, but this one was good because uh, I, I will be there to watch this movie, so let's, maybe that'll be a little bit clue. It comes out in a couple weeks. If Spaghetti made an action movie, what would it be? Mission Impossible. <laughs> well, unfortunately for my family, I do plenty of dad jokes. <laughs> I have plenty to take away from that, but this one I wanted to share with you this morning. What is a giraffe's favorite fruit? Nectarines. So my favorite dad joke I heard, I've shared it before, but I, I can't tell a different one because this is my favorite one. Um, and I heard it from my brother-in-law, Van, probably about 20 years ago. What's green and sings? Elvis Parsley. <laughs> so uh, we're going to dig in a little bit this morning and talk to these guys. Um, but before we do that, our, I want to share with you our, where we're going today. Our theme for the day is the word transform. And uh, this morning, guys, we're going to close out here in just a few minutes. We're going to ask all the men, uh, 16 and up, to come forward. We have a, have a devotional book that we're going to give you. Uh, called Transformed, Embracing the Death of Self and the Power of God. Uh, I've read through this uh, once. I'm reading through it again now for the second time. It's an incredible, one of the best men's devotional books I've ever read. Uh, we got these when we went to the Man Church Conference back in uh, February. And, uh, and, you know, we've done a lot of gifts around here for men. We've done keychains the last few years. We've done, you know, bags with all types of goodies in them. But uh, this is absolutely the best thing I believe we could put in your hands, men. And this is something that can build your faith, can make you stronger as a man of God, as a father, as a husband. And uh, I'm really excited about getting this in the hands of you guys today. But we want to take a few things from this book today. And, and I want to share with you our, our scripture of the day. It comes from Acts chapter 4. And we're going to lean into this a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But... Uh, this comes right after Peter and John have healed the lame man at the gate, right after the day of Pentecost. And it says that uh, after that happened, they were brought in before the, uh, before the religious leaders. And this was the response of the religious leaders to Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Verse 18, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, what is, Which is right in God's eyes? So listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We're going to come back to those verses in just a few minutes. But kind of leaning into these guys' credentials, 
and this idea of being transformed. I want to start with Pastor Josh. He's been a dad now for, I guess, about 15, 16 months. So my question for you is how has uh, your life been transformed as a result of being a new dad? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because whenever you get married, you know whenever you sign up, and I think this is true for both males and females, whenever you come into the role of a spouse to somebody else, at that point, it, it's no longer just about you anymore. It's about this other person first. Um, and it's funny because you know when you're signing up for that. You know that's what that is. Um, but whenever you have a kid in play, then it's, then it's really no longer about you anymore. Like, oh, you want to take a nap? That's too bad for you. Like, sorry, you don't get to take a nap right now. Or you want to do this or you want to do that. And, and it's, it, you don't always get to do exactly what you want to do whenever you want to do it. Um, and at first, it's, it kind of is almost like a, a shock in many ways. I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for, for that change. Um, but the amazing thing is, is that all of these little moments that aren't what you expected, they end up being so much better. I, I looked at Beverly the other day, and I know that anybody who's out here who, who, who are parents, I know you've had this moment too of, what did we do before? Like, what? And it's like you have these fragments in your mind of, oh yeah, that's what, that is what life looked like, but at the same time, it, it truly is. You're you as a person are totally different. Your priorities are different. Your schedule is different. Your timing is different. Everything is so very different. And it, and it really does come down to, at least in, in the stage where we're at right now, you know, of what is most important for her. You know, what's most important for the baby right now? And, um, yeah, it's totally, it's very different. But it is the most wonderful different in the entire world. So Pastor Kevin, you've, you've been a dad for a long time, but now you've been a dad for 15 months, a, fa a grandfather 15 months. So tell us about the grandfather side of that transformation. What's that been like for you? Well, it's, it's, been, it's been great. You know, um, you're told while you're a dad, you're told you know, about your kids and stuff, and then as you get older, they say, well, it's greater being a grandfather because you can bring them to the house or you can visit or whatever, and then you can send them back home. Uh, you can amp them up on sugar and just let them go nuts and then give them a little more sugar and give them back to mom and dad. <clears throat> um, we haven't got to that stage yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> But it, when, when that grandchild comes in, it, it's, it, you're looking at that child and thinking to yourself, that is an extension of me. And that's an extension of, of me and my wife. And the funny thing about Isla is that everybody jokes, my baby picture looks like her baby picture. And, um, and I don't even look like him. Like, I don't really know how that works. So... <laughs> They, they uh, sometimes refer to her as, as little Kevin, but 
it's it's just it's funny uh, how that transformation takes place. And I was just thinking about it today. Isla is seventh generation Church of God Pentecostal. And I look at that as things that she will inherit spiritually are not necessarily just things that her dad has sown into or that I have sown into, but my parents, my great-grandparents, and my great-great-grandparents, things that they have done and the, the transformation that has taken place in the world today, she is going to have an opportunity to impact a world that I don't know, that I won't know, but at least part of what we have been will be carried on for generations. It's like the word says, from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, and we talk about that a lot around here. Tressa even mentioned at the opening today about, you know, when you said that, Pastor Kevin, I thought, okay, those generations had to start somewhere. So if you're sitting here today and you say, I'm only the first generation, where well, you're changing, you are transforming your tree. And maybe you're second or third, and, and, and I just want to encourage you with that. And no matter where you are in the process of, of that for your family, uh, you're making a major change, and every part of, every, every branch is a key branch to allowing that to continue to grow. So uh, one more question for both of you guys so uh, quickly because we want to get to these guys. Spiritually, how has that uh, impacted you as far as your, your walk with God, Pastor Josh and then Pastor Kevin, uh, you know, this new baby? Yeah, and with, with Isla being the first baby girl in, I don't know, I mean, I think he's a big fan of Ancestry.com, so I think it was like, what, like since... Since the 1700s, Early. our line had never had a, a baby girl. And so when, the, when you find out you're having a baby girl, it's almost like this, and, and it's, it's this way with any kid. But I think with a baby girl, and both of you guys have daughters too, and you do too, so I know y'all can attest to this, it's this protector thing that comes into play. And so because to you, she's the most perfect in the entire world and so however you can protect has to come first and um you know and i i would say for me the spiritual side of that luckily is one of the things that really comes that mentality came first and it came very easy for me just because of the history that i have with the lord but knowing that gosh like even down to like getting more specific as to what you allow in the house. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to let certain things into the house. Isla's not even watching television and listening to music and that kind of stuff yet. But like, let's be even more specific as to how we, what we're putting in. Does that make sense? Because that affects everything spiritually, just being so intentional about that taking time to pray with her and and all of that too and growing up you know it was funny because my parents used to always say whenever we were on the way to school my mom would we had this thing with the boys where she would say and what are you and we would say 
were mighty men of God and were giant slayers. We said that every single day on the way to school. And now, when I'm praying with my daughter at nighttime, me telling her, she doesn't know anything about what I'm saying, but me speaking that to her. You're a mighty woman of God, and you're a giant slayer. Like, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And, and thinking about some of what we were talking about generations, um, there's no pastors or ministers in my, in my, in our past um, that basically started with me and then now Josh and Cody. Um, my father-in-law is, is a former pastor, but <clears throat> understanding that, that, that spiritual legacy um, that is being passed down is, is how she's going to succeed. Having, having that, that anchor, having that, that bedrock, um, and it just doesn't come from me. But I'll be honest, if it wasn't for my grandmother, I, I don't know if I would be where I am today. Um, she was the one that was that spiritual bedrock for our family um, and the generations that I knew. So being that stable place, understanding that, uh, and, and I've made jokes about it with Isla because Josh and Bev live in the back of our subdivision. And um, I've, I've made the statement that all she'll have to do is say, Papa, come get me. And I'll be there. That's physically. But understanding that spiritually, Papa, I need prayer. It's there. And prayer knows no different, no distance. If I can't get to her or my future grandkids, I can't get to them physically, then prayer, prayer reaches everywhere. You know, it knows no limits. That's good. Uh, Brad, you came to fatherhood a little bit different than the rest of us. You and Kelly adopted Marley, and it's hard to believe she's about to go into seventh grade. We've watched her grow up from when you brought her home here. And so, um, you know, how did your perspective of fatherhood change after becoming a father through adoption? What did that look like for you? Well, our journey to become a parent was was what was so different from, from you know, I guess most people or whatever, but the journey was very different. Becoming a parent um, and the, the act of parenting and those things, are, I can't imagine they would be uh, any different, but um, <clears throat> there was a point, and this wasn't, and I don't have time to go into our whole story this morning, but um, there was a point probably a couple of months into um, bring Marley home and just getting into those routines of parenting and and um, I remember holding her one day and and I think Kelly we, we were sitting there standing there and and just looking at her and and just having this thought of this baby you know certainly not the normal time leading up to to the birth of a child that, that most people uh, couples get to experience but I remember holding her and thinking, I would give my life for this baby. And 
and as those connections start to form and as, as those emotions start to grow and, 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 um, and I'm sitting there thinking, she didn't have to do anything to deserve or earn my love. Mm-hmm. It just was there and began to grow. And, and, and I think of that concept of just, you know, not having to earn. She didn't have to do anything to earn our love, my love. To the, to the point where I was willing to and willing at any second to lay down my life for her. Um, it, it kind of opened my eyes to just that aspect of our, our father's, our heavenly father's love for us. You know, I think for, for Kelly and I, it was a, a, a want to become parents. We wanted to become parents. We wanted to adopt from birth. Um, and Marley's journey, she needed a family. And this idea of us wanting to start a family and Marley needing a family made me, again, just think of that unconditional love of our Heavenly Father that He wants a relationship with us, but we need a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Like, as men, as men and women, we our existence is much more complicated and much more different when we don't try to understand and accept the unconditional love of our Father. And, and you know, with as parenting goes, and we know the unconditional love, and, and, and every man in here, you've held your child, you've held your, your baby, and you know what that unconditional love is like. I'll love them no matter what, you know. Until they become a teenager and you want to, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But, um, and so th- this idea of unconditional love, it never leaves. Uh, I don't, we don't stop loving our children because they aggravate us or annoy us or disappoint us. I think we've all been there. We've, as men, we've all experienced that desire to please our dads and to please our parents. And this idea of disappointing. And, and you, you look at, when I look at Marley and, and I just think, you know, I just love you so much, you know, and you just, I'll do anything for you. And, you know, especially you, you said the thing about little girls, like, what you want? You want it now? You know, I mean, I'll, I'll go get it. I'll, I'll go work a fourth job, you know, or, or whatever it is. Um, but this, that idea of unconditional love is, is probably the, the undercurrent of when I look at that journey and I look at that process and, and, and I think about the unconditional love that, was there with Marley and how that exists with our Heavenly Father towards us today, that we can't understand how high and how deep and how wide his love is for us, but it's there. And that love doesn't stop in, in, in the, um, those years and times of disappointment. Love and the unconditional love even shows up in those moments of discipline and correction. And we know, and if we've, we've, we've lived a life with the Lord, we know that there are those moments when our Heavenly Father has to correct us and discipline us, not to harm us, but to produce a future for us. And as dads, don't we do the same thing? Isn't that the ultimate goal? Is that when they turn 18, when they turn 22, when they graduate college, that they're able to function, able to live a life, but not only that, to live a life in pursuit of all that our Father has for us. 
And I think when I look at it through that lens, there is no more important role and lesson that I've learned as a man. That's good. Chester, you mentioned a while ago, you know, where you and Jennifer are with Bree, you know, yes. she just graduated from college yes. and she got her first job. So a lot of transformation in y'all's home this year. So as you've sat as a dad yes. and watched that transformation from college to her in the real world, what's it been like from your point of view? It's really been, at times it, it's really great to see because as a parent, that, that's what you're working towards. But at times you want to still kind of hold her close and hold her in and uh, not let go. Because over the past, what, 21, 22 years, we have taught her everything. We have made decisions for her. Uh, we have told her how to, you know, how to handle things, you know, all those things as parents. And we loved her. And we've given all that we can for her and to now transforming to where we're having to kind of release the release the reins and letting her do make all make all her decisions her do all the things and 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 you're sitting there you know remembering everything that you've taught her and and everything that you've showed her how to do and you're you're just trust having to trust her to make the decision the right decision that 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 she needs to make at that time and uh, like i said it's sometimes it's easy some sometimes it's not but to see that moment when she does and everything works out great, um, it, it's a very proud moment because you know you've had a hand in that. And so we've gone from that to now as she works a job that uh, we are there for to listen to her. Because as a sixth grade PLA teacher, I'm sure she's, there's lots of uh, things she's going to have to talk about. And we're there to just, you know, no matter what it is, no matter where, what she's going through, we're just there to be a sounding board, to be somebody to listen to her, and uh, somebody to give her comfort and, and to encourage her to keep going. Y'all just stretch your hands toward Chester. It just hit me. He has a wife who teaches kindergarten and a daughter who teaches middle school in the same house. <laughs> so uh, he needs a, a lot of prayer yeah. for sure. So, a, lot of, a lot of venting sessions. <laughs> Amen. So when you think about what you shared, like as you've watched Bree go through those stages, how do you think that translates to how God watches us as we go through those stages? The way I relate it to, to us is he's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And, he, and the, all through our life, he's still teaching me and still teaching us what to do. But God is the ultimate father of love who also knows when to just okay i've given you everything that you need now now i need you to do it you know yeah i need you to you know, act in the way that i've taught you and and be that loving father that no matter what we go through he's still there to listen to us through each and every season transition transformation through our life he he never says um I, i'm too busy i can't get to you no he he says he says that every time i, I can just relate that to every time brianna uh, maybe comes and says uh I, I, 
hey, Dad, can you help me? I will drop everything that I can. Uh, I've, I remember one story. Um, Brianna's car was uh, not wanting to start or, or died on the way home from college, and I was at work, and uh, you bet you, nobody was going to stop me at work from going and clocking out and getting to her because that's how much I love her, and I want to uh, uh, see her pr protected. And that's a, that's a thing that we're struggling with, too, is you want to be that, that father that still holds on to her, protects her, but you're having to let her, you know, find her wings and fly. Yeah, that's good. Real good stuff, guys. Um, so we're talking about, again, transformation today. And, and I thought about it as I was preparing this, how, how as men especially, we like to do things where if it's projects or habits or areas in life where we see transformation. And, and let's just kind of rapid fire here. What are some things that come to mind for you guys that as men we like to, to put our hands to and then see a transformation as it relates to what? For me, it's I, I love uh, fixing up just the house, house projects and stuff like that. That's actually something that Beverly and I really, we tag team super, super well. So, you know, we'll pick every couple months, we'll pick a project, whether that's something specifically in the yard or something um, within the house itself. You know, right now, the, the next big thing that we want to do is we want to redo the entertainment center area. So it's like we're planning that right now. And it's like you, you see what it looked like before and then yeah. that afterwards it's you know yeah ours <clears throat> i'm i'm a hands-on type person and so i like to do the lawn and and those things like that and it's it's to me to see those things that that you can change and make a difference and then it gets to the latter stages uh, we just had in the past six months or so um, had a, a leak in our slab so we've had to dig that up and have somebody fix that and then somebody come in and paint and I mean one thing after the other and we just got through putting flooring back in and I told my wife I said look I like projects I like doing things like that nothing more for the rest of the year don't don't talk about painting and, and just about the time I said that, an ad from Lowe's came up and said something about discounted paint, 50% off. And she looked at me and I said, no, no, nothing, nothing more, nothing. <laughs> but I like changing those things and seeing accomplishments. Oh, wow, we did that. Well, I know I'm about to get a big amen, uh, big amen from uh, Brother Duttenhofer over here. Uh, he's, he probably knows what I'm about to say. Uh, there's nothing more gratifying and satisfying than the transformation, and y'all said it's but of cutting the grass. Men, am I right? Because this, this is what you want to do when you get done. When you get done, you want to you stand there and you survey what you've just done, and <laughs> your hands go up, and you're, and you're making sure that you've got every single you know stray mahia grass <laughs> strand, and you're like you know. But that's that's the most immediate gratification and, and then at the very end of that too you the last thing you flip on those sprinklers and you watch those sprinklers going at the same time with it. it's a beautiful thing when the sunshine hits the water like that it is even better when you can get those lines perfectly straight man i tell you straight. what yeah. Woo. they got to be straight um <laughs> one of the things that i like seeing transform is milk from uh, uh, the stage of milk to cheese because I make cheese. Um, 
Chester literally cuts the cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and do mixing all the ingredients together and putting in the, the rennet at the right time, at the right temperature, and then having to sit, let it sit there and wait and seeing it go from a liquid to a solid it is gratifying to me because then you, you do some other steps and you press it and then you make it and you put it in your cheese cave and, uh, and be able to see that transformation uh, uh, from that. that. That's gratifying to me. Notice, man, I did that. So it's almost like you. Yeah, I did that. Less, what's yours? <laughs> Mine is seeing my flock transform to be like Jesus. <laughs> All right, Josh, I'm going to ask you this question. Why is it that men have that? Um, mine would be grass, too. So you, I think we all do the grass thing. Why, is, why as men, do we just really look back and take pride on those things? Why is that a part of our DNA, do you think? Um, for me, I think it's probably more so about that fixer mentality. Like, you know, you hear people say that all the time, that it's like men are wired to want to fix. fix stuff. Yes. And so if you see an area where there can be improvement and you know that you are a part of bringing that improvement, I think in many ways it gives you almost a, like a, a sense of value and a, a sense of that, yeah, I was, a, I was a part of that. I had something to contribute to yeah. that. Now, unfortunately, I think that many times this drive for transformation as men for us to see the lawn or the food or if it's health or whatever, a lot of times that does not reach our spiritual lives. Like men will, and, and we heard a lot about this when we went to the men church conference. We've heard a lot of it, material that we've been doing on Wednesday nights in the fall with our men small group is that as men many times we will we'll set the bar high on all these other things that we want to see accomplished and um, we want to see transformation take place, but we really don't apply that same level of uh, consistency and dedication to our own personal spiritual lives. Um, Brad, I want to ask you, why do you think that's the case? Well, there's, there's a, an, a, I think as men or as people, there's an immediacy aspect of, 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 cutting the grass or whatever and seeing those things we see that instant transformation we see things very quickly we want things done quickly you're a mover you're a shaker you want to get things done I think when it comes to our spiritual lives a lot of times with that it's not so black and white it's not so cut and dry it's not crank the lawnmower up get your get the line straight and make it look good and, and be done and because we all come from these different backgrounds. We all have different baggage. We all have different um, struggles. There's so many things as men, as people, and sometimes to make those changes, and it may be things that we're aware of. It may be things we're not aware of, but a lot of times it costs us something. And, um, and sometimes it costs us Probably the biggest thing it might cost us is I may have to abandon my perception of who I think I should be, what I think I should be doing, 
how others see me. I may, I may, it may cost me those things. And it could be our pride. Uh, it could be our, um, uh, our identity. Again, what we see as, oh, this defines me, and I see that that's wrong, and I may need to change it. The question then becomes, am I willing to go through the things I need to to bring about that change? And that, I, that's just... It's hard because there's deeper levels to that than just, I want to get it done and be done with it. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And when, when we read throughout Scripture, one of the things that we notice is that every man in Scripture is going through that transformative process. Some of them have incredibly, incredibly low points before they get there. I think one of the men, that, to me, that sticks out is Peter. Uh, Simon Peter, just the transformation that takes place in his life. We've been studying the chosen season three on Wednesday nights, and we've been looking at, at Peter at different times throughout that process. But, like, when you guys think of Peter before Jesus, like, what do we think of him before Jesus? He was a what? I heard it out here. He was a fisherman. Fisherman, yeah. Yeah, so that means he's a hard worker blue-collar guy who's getting after it every day that's his life uh, Brad and I were talking about this week how even in the chosen yeah I, I, we were talking about the chosen and if you've seen that the guy who plays Peter man he's pretty cut he's a pretty ripped guy um, and I don't know why I told what I told Bachelor Les, I, said, I don't know why I ever thought about it but I was like why did they choose him and the, the opening scene I think of, of season one shows Peter he's in the streets fist fighting and I'm like, what is this all about? Why are they? And I did some research this week on what fishermen were like during that time. And these guys were, they, had, they would have an, a, a circular net, very thick rope usually. And on the edges of these ropes, they would tie weights. And most of the time they fished not very far off of shore. They would drop these weights, these nets down and then have to pull them back up, pull them up with fish. These guys had to be incredibly strong, incredibly gruff. They typically did not go with the norms of society. I think when we think of Peter in that aspect, it's probably what most most of us men in here are like. Yeah, that's that's. I want to identify as that with that. I want to be the rough and tough and gruff guy. And I think a lot of times before Jesus, that's kind of how we see Peter. And we we read the verse a while ago from Acts that when they showed up, even before the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders. It said they could tell they were ordinary, unschooled men. So even though they had hung out with Jesus for three years, they weren't wearing suits and ties and robes and all the stuff. You know, they were just regular guys. And I think in a room full of regular guys and regular men who were going to work regular jobs tomorrow, I think that's encouraging to see that Jesus chooses regular guys, just ordinary yeah. folks like you and me, to do what he wants us to do, to have an impact and influence in our families, in our community. And, and see, with Peter, we see him. He goes through all these transformative moments in his, in his walk with Jesus. Um, what are some of the things, just because uh, we need to wrap this up, but what just real bullet points, what are some of the things we see in Peter's life, guys? Just some of those quick examples before, before the crucifixion. You know, he meets Jesus but before the crucifixion, what are some of those moments? We see Peter what? Being aggressive, just like 
when they came to get Jesus, first thing he does is pulls his sword and cut the guy's right. ear off. He was Great. aiming for his head, but you know, wasn't Great. very Great skilled. Or denying him. I mean, you know, just, I mean, I think at that point, that's kind of an indicative of, you know, probably somebody that, that wasn't as firm on, on what they wanted or what they thought. Whenever um, on the Last Supper, Jesus uh, or Peter said, you know, for, forbid it for all these things to happen to you. And that's when Jesus mm. says, get behind me. You know, he was trying to tell him, hey, this, I'm that rough and tough guy. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be that, you know, that guy. And he was that bold person. Yeah. I think Zeitgeist, uh, a lot, all of us men who, who sometimes are up on the mountain, sometimes are in the valley. And for, for Peter, he was, I mean, you go back and read his story and read through scripture, man, it is a roller coaster of yeah. he's the man. He's dirt. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an interesting journey when you look at Peter in that aspect. One of the things that, that is pointed out in this book, as you guys get this book and you dig into it, uh, day nine, uh, Rick Bird just talks about how oftentimes as men, and even all of us in our walk, we'll look at Peter before the crucifixion, and that's the Peter we identify with. Because we see his ups and downs. We see, not quite yet, hang on, fireball, come back one more. Go, don't show that yet. Get hit on me. Thank you. Um, we, see G, we see Peter in all these ups and downs and all these different things, and we're like, I'm going to identify with that Peter. But yet, there is this definitive transformation that takes place where Peter is no longer that person that we see doing this. There are three things that we see happen. He, he has an encounter with the risen Jesus. In John 21, he walks on the shore with Jesus after Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus restores him back to ministry. And then he's filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And he is never the same again. And I love what, what Rick Burgess says. Now you can give it to us in this book. He says, I have been as guilty as anyone of comparing myself to Peter before the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit because it's a much lower standard. This is a classic mistake we make far too many times. The standard by which we compare our lives should be the behavior after the resurrection and after they receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, amen. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. That has been working on me now for weeks because it is so easy for us just to lean into that well you know we know Peter he just he had a lot of struggles and he did have a lot of struggles and we definitely can identify with that side of Peter but guys I want to tell you we weren't made we were made for more than that yes. for more than just having to pick ourselves out of the dirt all the time when Jesus when Peter had that connection with Jesus a transformation took place now it was after a long time it was after three years of being with Jesus every day you know you would think if you were with Jesus every day after about 60 days you'd clean up a whole lot more but after three years Peter's still slicing off ears and and denying him and all of those things and so I, I think as we as we kind of Boil this down. There's three things I want you to see, and I'm going to give you three things in 90 seconds. You don't believe I can do it, but here it comes. Transformation is possible. 
We see that in the life of Peter, that transformation is possible. Secondly, transformation is observable. Because when Peter and John showed up in front of the religious leaders, and they, were gonna, they had put them in prison, they had spent the night in jail, they were threatening their lives, they didn't back down. They could tell that something was different. And the last one, transformation is sustainable. We see this all throughout the book of Acts, and we see it when Peter writes his, his two letters at the end of the New Testament, that what God did in him, what, what happened as a result of that interaction with the resurrected Jesus and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he was a different man for the rest of his life. So the challenge for us as men, as leaders, is that, and every man here is a leader. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader to your children. You're a leader to your spouse. Many of you in this room are leaders on your job. Uh, you own small businesses. You've been in a place for a long time. Some of you are, are even young men, and you're leaders. Um, you can do it. You can do it. And uh, we learn in that example of Peter that, um, that the bar is held high. It's really, I think, what it comes down to. And I think you guys... I think you all, I say guys, we all as a church family know that one of the things we're going to do around here at Rinkin Church of God, we're going to set the bar high. Yeah. Yeah. We are called to come out and be different, to not be like the world, to, uh, to follow Christ daily. Not to be cultural Christians because we're Southerners and we've been raised in it, but because we have had an encounter with the living God, His Son Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to walk this out every day. Amen. amen. Thank you for a good female amen back there. Amen. <laughs> so I want to ask us all to stand this morning and if the worship team will come back and get in place. And uh, I'm going to ask all the men, 16 and up, if you guys will just begin to come up here. I want to close with a prayer with you guys today. All the men 16 and up, if you'll come in and uh, come up as close as you can this morning. And these guys who are with me today, they're going to uh, serve you and make sure you get one of these uh, books uh, today before we go. Y'all come as close as you can because uh, we've, we've got a house full of men this morning in the first service. Ladies, are you proud of these men? Will you let them know how proud you are of them? You love them. You know, in, in, in the church in America, our history has been many times that uh, there was, the church was about, you know, 85% women and maybe about 10 to 15% men. But at Rinkin Church of God, that's not the case here in this house. I am proud of you men. I'm proud of you guys, the way you serve your wives, the way you serve uh, your children, the way you serve our community, the way you serve at your job. We have some outstanding, listen, we have some outstanding men of God in this house. Let me talk to you ladies, wives. Sometimes we may have the tendency to look at all the things we wish they were doing. But 
that they're not doing, all the things that they're not doing that we're comparing somebody else to. I want you to focus on what your husband is doing. My goodness, he's at church at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning with you. He has brought you here. He is clothed and in his right mind, as the scripture says. He has brought your family to church. And he is far exceeding what the other men in America are doing today. So celebrate what your husband is doing. Don't just think about all the things. And when you think of those things, allow those things to motivate you to use the most powerful weapon you have, and that is prayer. Instead of complaining or it going in your head, all that's going on, pray for your husband. Lift him up. That's the most powerful thing you can do for him. Amen? Guys, we set the bar high for you. This book, I want to say to every man who's standing here in front of me who says, I don't read. That is a lie from Satan. You'll read the fantasy football scores. You'll read Field and Stream. You'll read a part of the newspaper. You read, okay? Don't fall for the lie that you don't read. I'm going to tell you, this is something you will read. You'll enjoy reading. It is written for men, about men. And when you read it, I want you to be ready. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be pushed, okay? And, and that's what this, this material is all about. And it'll probably take you all of three or four minutes a day to read. And in 31 days, you will have read through this whole book. If you're like me, you're going to want to read through it again. Read through it with a pen in hand. Circle, underline. You know what that says to God? It says, I'm ready. Whatever you want to say to me right now, I'm listening. And I'm going to underline and circle and, and be prepared for what you want to say to me. Guys, I want to pray for you. Ladies, daughters, granddaughters, will you stretch your hand this way as we pray over the men of this house. Father, I thank you for the husbands and the fathers and the grandfathers that stand in front of us this morning. I thank you for the legacy that they are building upon and the first generation legacy that many of them have started. Lord, we speak life and transformation over them today in the name of Jesus. We pray today, Lord, that you would take their eyes off of all the things that they fight with and they battle with and help them to place their eyes on you. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would encourage them as you did with Peter, that uh, you've got greater and, and more amazing things in store for them, that they don't have to settle for the, the spiritual extremes of ups and downs, but because of your life, death, and resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can walk in a way that brings you honor and brings you glory. I pray, God, for every husband in the, in the floor today, in, in the altar today, God, that you would empower them to walk in their role as the spiritual leader of their home. Lord, even though that term may overwhelm them, God, I pray that they would, Lord, just simply surrender themselves to you today. I pray, God, that you would empower them, God, to love their wives 
as you love the church. I pray, God, for the, for the fathers and the grandfathers here who are seeking to lead this next generation and help them find their way and to know what it means to pursue you and to pass a legacy on to their children, their boys and their, their girls and their young men and their young women. God, give them wisdom beyond their years, beyond their experience. God, give them a heart for their children. God, give them patience when the days are tough. And God, give them endurance, Lord, in everything, God, that they're doing. And God, I pray for the young men and the, and the other men who are in this altar today who aren't married, who one day want to be married. God, I pray they would only uh, wait for the person that you have for them. God, may they not in any way compromise Lord, what it is and who it is that you have for them, I pray. And I pray, God, you would lead them in order and guide their steps. Lord, I ask you to raise up a generation of men in this church, God, who are examples of what it means, God, to be husbands and fathers and leaders on their jobs and in their community. That when people see the men of this house, Lord, that they would say, as the religious leaders did, those men have been with Jesus. And we pray that over these men today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want us to sing a little bit of this old chorus. We're not singing around here in a long time, but it's a perfect fit for all of us today. Can we sing this together? Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me. So sing this chorus. This echoes what we said today. Take my heart. Take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Father, that's our prayer today, Lord. As men, God, that you would transform our minds and our hearts and our will. We surrender everything over to you, knowing that when we do that, God, you make something, out, something beautiful out of all that we bring to you, and we give you praise for that. Amen.
Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. Hope you have a great day celebrating. Make sure you stop by and get a picture in the foyer. We'll see you back Wednesday night for Family Ministries Night. Have a great rest of your day, guys.